Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to this week's Aotearoa Rugby Pod. You're joined with myself, James Parsons, and down south, Bryn Hall. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Good, good, good. Very uh, good. We're missing um, our mate, uh, Ross Carl, this week. He can't be with us, so we're taking... Uh, the toy for a spin, just you you and me. Look, mate, you're running the cutter beautifully just to start off, mate, so I'm excited. Look, I'm excited. Oh, mate, just... I'm not sure about that, but we'll, we'll get stuck into it. Uh, we'll go to the, I suppose, the biggest talking point uh, in the Canes versus Brumbies. We always knew it's a hard place to go. Uh, mm. I, I probably wasn't expecting the, the Canes to lose. Uh, but your, your, your original thoughts after watching that game? Yeah, I thought it was a, it was an arm wrestle. It was a real arm wrestle, and um, you know we've talked about a lot around New Zealand teams going to different environments and playing in Australia. And I think the Brumbies in Canberra, as you know, it's it's, it's a real tough place to play. And um, you know that kind of home advantage and being in in, in Canberra was was really different. And um, I thought it was a real big arm wrestle. I think you know the the stats showed that it was everything was pretty even around all the the major stats and. It kind of symbolised that with the score, and um, you know, probably discipline a little bit hurt the hurt the Hurricanes. But um, you know, Geordie had that opportunity twice, done um, one at halfway, and then um, you know, right on the bang full time with the Brumbies trying to shut it out, and um, had the opportunity to win it. So he's played, he showed plenty of times that he's kicked it before, but you know, sometimes as, as a kicker, yeah, um, you miss a couple, and um, I guess fortunately for the Brumbies, he missed. But yeah, I thought it was a real big arm wrestle and real physical and. Um, you know, thought it was actually real deserving of how how close that scoreline was. Yeah, and I suppose for me, when I was watching it, it showed. Uh, that, I mean, the Conte's talked about the Brumbies having a big defensive effort, but mm. they actually tackled at seventy eight percent. And and you know, yeah. we sort of saw the Canes in previous week; they were quite ruthless on attack, and they just were a yeah. little bit off. And I, I suppose um, a couple of examples of that were um, they gave away penalties in their attacking twenty two. Uh, a couple of times for shepherding. Uh, another time they didn't release the ball um, before you know they kept going. And you know normally in past weeks they've been ruthless in that 22 and come away with points. I think they went to the corner as well, and the Brumbies contested and stole a lineout. And yeah. then when they, uh, I think late in the second half or around that 50 minute mark, uh, they went to the corner again, and the Brumbies defended and pushed that mall out. So they had plenty of opportunities to, I suppose, take the game away from the Brumbies, but through their own inaccuracies, I'd say, rather than the Brumbies defending really well, they didn't quite execute as ruthlessly in past weeks that put them in a position for a finals berth. Mm. 
Yeah, ex- exactly. I think um, you know, I look, you know, looking at some of the some of the stats that we had here, you know, that obviously um, you're tackling at 70, 70 or percent. It's you know, it's not great, but I think you are right. I think in the probably in the past couple of weeks, the the Hurricanes' face play shape and the execution's been been really on point and. I think on the weekend, you know, they missed a few opportunities due to those execution errors and, um, you know, probably reflects the score with only being two try scored. So, um, yeah, and like I said, I think, Jim, we've talked about it, you know, playing in a different spot is, is a little bit different. And, you know, the Brumbies um, at home are always, always tough and they were away on tour for the last for the last three weeks and every time, any chance they get a time to be back home, they're going to be a different team. So, um, but, you know, I thought I thought Tom Banks was massive for them as well. You know, I thought he was, he was great. He had 102 metres. Had 102 metres off 12 carries and was really potent and looked like really um, injecting himself into the line. So, um, yeah, there were a lot of opportunities, but I think coming back to your point, mate, very similar to us, actually. Execution was a big thing for us, and I think they just got that a little bit wrong, a little bit of ill-discipline. And even with that, not playing how they have in the last probably fortnight, they still had a chance to win that game. And, um, you know, if Jordy kicks that, kicks that goal at the end, then, you know, they're probably still in the hunt for, for a finals berth. They've got another home game this week. And it's it's pretty crucial, obviously, that they've sent a message that it's going to be a big challenge to go to Canberra and get a result. It's it's probably going to be a crucial game in terms of where things finish now that the Hurricanes have lost. Crucial in terms of who gets that finals berth. The Highlanders are going there. The, I suppose yep. the shot across the bow has been sent. They won't be going there expecting uh, an easy go. But from what you saw of the Highlanders versus the Waratahs, do they have enough in them to go there and get a bonus point? I think I think they do. They've definitely got opportunities to um, to score points. Like you look at their game on the weekend, um, points isn't going to be an issue. And I think the have talked around how the Highlanders do play, and um, they've got the ability. You know, where we know that tempo is a massive thing for them, and being able to get quick recycling ball and getting Aaron to get that, that that ball out is going to be a massive plus for them. So winning that collision battle and contact battle is going to be massive for them. And, um, you know, obviously with Shannon Frizzell being out, it's, a, it's going to hurt them a little bit. But, you know, they've got some great depth with Hamino there and, um, you know, possibly um, bringing in some other people. But they definitely do. And they do have a great kicking game as well. I think the growth that, you know, Mitchell Hunt has had around, um, whether they be attacking kicks or plugging it into their 22 and then, Building pressure like that, I think, is going to be massive, massive for them. Depending on what the weather might be like in, in in Canberra, it could be cold, it could be dewy, and having that backup plan with being able to plug people down in, in their half with attacking kicks, um, contestables, or even just plugging it long, they've got the ability to do that to build pressure from that. And then their set piece as well. Um, whenever they get into that twenty-two zone, they're pretty lethal around um, the face play shape that they have around Nuggy. Um, they've got a great line-out drive that they've scored a lot off during this Trans-Tasman competition. And then they've also got the specials that they have around the front as well. So they've got a lot in their arsenal. But I think, again, it's going to come down to execution, which um, you know the Hurricanes probably missed out on the weekend and um, we even missed out as well. So um, if they can do that, then they give themselves the greatest opportunity to, you know, to have bonus point, to win by a bonus point. Now, a guy for me in the Highlanders that has sort of found his home at 13 and it started when he had the victory against you guys up in Christchurch is Michael Collins. And he's, his game's gone from strength to strength. Um, are you seeing that when you're watching the games that since he's gone to 13, the Highlanders' performances have improved as well? Yeah, it has, and I think you've had a lot of a lot of time to do with Mike, and uh, we've played him, we've played him, played him a lot of times, and 
the biggest asset that he has is that he's a great communicator and has a pretty good understanding game management wise around um, how you play rugby. And so, as an inside back, you know, as an outside centre, or even if you're in, even if you're a twelve as well, having the ability to be able to communicate inside what the space is in front of you or outside you is really really important for that cog and that wheel. And so, you know, Michael's doing that really really well. You see on the field, he's pointing defensively if um, you know defensively who's got who and gives real confidence in that defense and then on the attacking wise you can see the ability of um, Hunsi and you know or Yawani or Gregory who I think has been really a really good solid performer and I think the positive that I've had and had a look at my notes is that the continuity that those two have had so um, as, as, a, as a combination spending more time with each other you can see Gregory and Collins are actually playing really nicely together and you know that comes back to you know Mike who's had a lot of experience you know at Super Rugby League at Modity and Cup level and so He's got a pretty understand, good understanding of what it takes to be a centre. And so, you know, I've loved that and his ability on attack as well. He's done some great um, support lines. You look at that kick last week when Nuggy did it, um, the ability to see that space, call it, even though it was probably a pre-called move, having the ability to, to call that and then be able to score off that um, has been massive for them. So I've really enjoyed seeing Gregory and Collins together. Um, it's been great for the continuity of that side. And you've probably seen the best performance out of Scott Gregory due to Michael Collins and his ability to make him feel comfortable. And so um, it's been help, it's helped Mitchie Hunt and their forward pack as well. Um, when you've got a great communicator like Mike, um, Jip, you've probably got a little bit more understanding around yeah. what he is like from the yeah. outside. Abs- he looks like he's doing that really, really good for that team. Absolutely. And the thing I noticed, because I was at the game on the weekend, you know, he got an early turnover... He got a try, he got a couple of try assists, but it was what I saw off the ball defensively, mm. like um, his, his ability to read when to rush, like he, he was that edge, that, that second to last defender a lot of times, and he's just holding, 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 and then he would rush and shut, shut things down even when there were overlaps, uh, and, mm. and it was that ability there to, to, to close things off. And then whenever someone was subbed on, he was always communicating, connecting with them, letting them know what the flow of game was, what there was. Um, the new young halfback came on, he was straight up to them, organising. He just looked like he was the mm. connector of everything. You know, he was a real solid leader for the group. Um, I don't know, there was just so much that he was doing that you don't see on TV that he just came across to me as a, a, a big Im- influencer in terms of all the action, but also a big influencer in terms of voice and a connector yeah. and, and leader in the group as well. And, and he, he's just had such an outstanding season. And yeah. um, he's got a bit of Welsh um, uh, blood in him. So, you know, uh, he, might be, uh, he might be donning the uh, Hadley Parks route if, if, Parks if, he doesn't, if he doesn't get picked up. But um, we, we move on to uh, your game, Brenner. Um, you know, talk us through how you felt that one. Obviously, a, a late try that um, took a point off you, but in the end, it probably after after the Brumbies Canes game, it wasn't too drastic a weekend. Yeah, obviously at the, at the time, um, you know, it was you know it's pretty deflating. I think you know we won, but you could probably sense around <clears throat> the pictures that were shown we were. We're pretty gutted that um, we didn't get that bonus point and, and fair play to the force you know um we knew that going in the week through the prep is that uh, they grind out teams and they don't go away and we've talked about a lot there on this podcast that they're a team that just sticks in there hangs in there and makes it really difficult for you and and for us they they did that and um, they played to the 80th minute and got that try um in the last minute um i guess for us the biggest thing was um, probably the first half we we executed a, a lot better. We won the kind of position and territory battle in that first half. And even though we had a few, we only had six penalties in the first half. 
um, and three of them in the very first you know couple of minutes. Our discipline and our and our shape and our attack was was really really good. But then probably in that second half, like some of the stats that we had is that we had nine penalties in the second half. We made 144 tackles and 105 of those tackles were inside our 22. So it was a much different contrast in the second half where we defended a lot of our line due to our ill discipline, which has been a massive disappointing factor for us in, in this competition and probably the season actually. And then, <clears throat> you know, making 105 tackles in our 22 zone and puts us under a lot of pressure. So, um, you know, the, the force had, you know, the high phase counts. They had 19 phases, 17 phases, 12 phases, 11 phases, seven phases, where the most that we had in the whole game was seven. So the execution and us not being able to hold onto the ball and our ill-discipline was probably taken away from us due to how brutal they were, the force we were holding onto the ball. So, um, yeah, coming at the back end of the game uh, was pretty, if you think about it, a strip right at the end was probably fair around how the game went for us. And, um, you know, the force scored it at the end and took away that bonus point for us. But those are probably the things that um, hurt us a little bit. I don't know what you saw, Jip, but I think us being able to be a little bit clunky and wasn't fluid. It was just our execution and our penalties that probably let us down again. Yeah, look, I thought in the first half there were moments of brilliance and, and, and recognising there were some pretty key players sitting in the stands uh, and some young mm. guys getting opportunity um, for the first time. And I sort of take it back, you reading out those stats, remembering the last time we sort of were on here reading out stats like that, it was a loss against the Chiefs in Hamilton. You know, so you, you have to acknowledge that there's an improvement and an ability to win a game when you're having mm. those stats is, is pretty impressive. You know, because I, I had it written here that the force is opportunities to win this game and it was there for the taking. And, you know, they were held up at 55 minutes. Uh, you know, 64 to 64 minutes, they were in your 22 for 17 phases, no reward. Yep. And then after that, from 64th minute to 67th, they took some penalties and they, they took the scrum options, eventually knocking the ball on. And then, you know, I think it was three to four minutes later, um, you know, that, that you guys were attacking down in their half. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, those opportunities... If they had taken them, it could have turned it round. I think straight after half-time, they had that forward pass try disallowed. Yep. Then they went to the corner and they overthrew the line-out. And after that overthrow, I think you set up Will Jordan beautifully with that pass for a try about three minutes later. You know, yep. so I'm just off the back of that. That's five opportunities. They were in your 22 to score points and they didn't come away with any. And yeah, I think... Sorry. No, you go, you, you go. go. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I think um, defensively, even though you know we made a lot of tackles, I think probably the last fortnight we've actually, if any team's kind of gone over that kind of sixth, seventh phase mark, they scored points against us, and so the resilience in you know being able to um, to make those defensive um, tackles and being able to get up again and, and and do that, it was a real positive for us because you're right, the force actually threw a lot at us. Um, they they were brutal at the breakdown. They went over multiple phases. And so for us, we needed to be on in that, in that sense. And yes, we did give away penalties at some at those longer stages. But um, you are right. They did have a lot of opportunities. And credit to our boys around hanging in there and holding and then just trying to grind them out. Uh, but yeah, the force had a... They gave us a lot. They, they threw a lot at us. And look, even that one where Richard Kahui throws that forward pass, you know, if they score that try, 
um, then it's a, you know, it's a different story. You, you start trying to think about the game a little bit differently. A couple of positives for me out of it. Um, Sione Havili, I think, is mm. becoming a nice little link man. You know, he's, he's had that physical presence, good ball carrier, uh, great defender, but in a couple of times, um, you know, he, he was the key link man um, for two tries, gave the ball to Enor. I thought Enor, you know, giving that little grubber for Mataeli's try. Um, you know, great play from Sione to, to give that ball, but great kick and vision. Um, you know, Enor's obviously been out for a while. Um, he's starting to find some form. And then in the next try, uh, Will Jordan's first try, um, Sione Havili again gives a great ball um, to yeah. Leicester. And I think Leicester, Fainuku's time at centre, is starting to pay dividends now. He's at, in, in the winger. His nice slider hands to get that ball away to Jordan. Don't know if we would have seen that had he not had that time at centre. He may have, may not have, but it was just a beautiful, like, soft um, hands to find that edge. So there are a couple of um, real nice positives um, in that first 40. Um, I, I don't know how you saw that. Yeah, I think Sione, look, he's been he's been great for us. And I think, you know, Tom Christie um, last year and the start of this year was, was in really a rich reign of form and was performing really well for us. And, you know, Sione slotted in really... Really, really nice there. I think the biggest thing about Sione is his physicality at the breakdown, his tackles as well. So, you know, we knew that with the force, they go around a lot around the transition, whether it be Bunsen plays or um, sending Kurandrani or uh, Tony Pulu down that channel. And um, it was a big focus for us around um, stunting in and slowing down their ball in that first phase because they're pretty strong around that area. Um, and then uh, with, with Leicester, I think you are right. Um, you know, having the ability to be able to give those those square hands, especially under pressure, like he did. You know, Sione gave that ball to to Leicester. Leicester held his feet a little bit and gave that 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 pass to Will. And I think probably last year he doesn't give that pass. Mm. Um, he just tries to run and didn't have the ability to to do that. But I think with spending his time at centre, and it's actually a, a big thing that he said to himself that he really wants to work on his distribution game, especially being a centre. He's talked around that. That's been a work on for him, and it was it was great to see him on the weekend, especially under pressure, um, giving that flip pass to uh, to Will because when you, you know when you've got a guy like that and putting him into space, he's going to score like he did on the weekend. So, the more time Leicester spends at centre uh, or on the wing and keeps doing those skills, you know, whether it be on a shorter, he might be on a short edge for us, and you know, it's fixed enough, you know, a last defender to put a guy away on the sideline. Um, it's a thing that Leicester's really improved in, and um, you know, hopefully, does continue to keep growing that, and um, it's something that he's really wanted to work on probably the last you know, three to four weeks. All right, well, we know the permutations this week. You need a big <laughs> score. Uh, you're playing the Rebels, wherever it may be, probably Sydney. Uh, yeah. What's the mindset? Because we know, we've seen how ruthless you can be against the Reds earlier in the year. Uh, the big dogs will be coming back. Um, is, it, is, is there a clear mindset? Or is it, is it going to be about earning the right sort of mindset first and foremost? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both, Jip. I think, you know, fortunately, it's in our own hands now. And I think, um, you know, we don't have to really worry about, you know, who needs to lose, who's looting, who needs to win, or that kind of scenario due to, obviously, the Hurricanes losing on the weekend. Um, it gives us a clear picture that, you know, if we can win um, and with a bonus point or whatever it may be, we've got an opportunity to do that. And so um, we're very fortunate as well that the Highlanders will play before us. Um, so we'll know exactly before we go on the field what's required of us. Whereas that's a real positive for us. We don't need to go and in, go into the game thinking, oh, what do we need to do? What do we? What's the situation? How many points? When the Highlanders do play, we'll know exactly what what's required of us. And so from there, we'll be able to get a plan. But 
I think for us, um, not trying to fall into that helter-skelter kind of mindset, I think having your process around what the week looks like. Um, and so we understand that, you know, you've got to do all the hard work, you know, if, you know, the whole cliches around like our forwards doing the right things, us put in the right positions, playing playing rugby, but, you know, playing within an, an instruction and plan. Um, and so that's the kind of way we're going to go around it. But I think the fact that we do have it in our own hands and we'll know exactly what's required of us come uh, Saturday afternoon at, at Leichhardt, um, that'll be the mindset when we get to that kind of stage there. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be uh, uh, one, to, one to be watching and locking in. Move to um, the Blues-Reds game. Um, yep. Obviously, the Blues had a great win over there and, and putting themselves um, in control of their own destiny uh, back at home this weekend. But what were your initial thoughts of, of that performance of the Blues away from home in, in a place that... You know, traditionally is a really tough place to go and win. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, I, yeah it's, it's a really tough place. It's a really tough place to win. And I think with the confidence that the Reds had previously with that win um, and being back home um, in, in Brisbane, obviously they played in Townsville, but being back in Australia and Brisbane, it's a real hard place to play. Um, you know, the, the kind of things that I took away from it is that, you know, the Blues forwards were really dominant in that performance. Like I thought the likes of, you know, Epper, Tom and um, Tom Robinson and um, Dalton Papali were immense defensively. You know, Epper topped the tackle count with 20, Tom 14 and Dalton 17. And they really um, had that physicality and bringing in that defensive effort for, for the Blues, which I think is needed in those kind of big games. You need your forwards to stand up. And then the efficiency of when they were inside the 22 and the control that Finlay Christie had with the forwards around um, running off him, um, having your forwards go and uh, pick and goes and scoring tries when you were down at 22 was really efficient. And your set piece was, was good as well. Um, so... The kind of things that I've loved and what I've seen with the Blues and what's really been really impressive, we've talked around their game management and understanding of you know when to play and when not to play, but it's the ability of your of the forwards and the ability to play with the pivots. And it's not just OTD or your 10 or your 12 who's in that pivot position. You know, Mark Talia was in there on the weekend and scored off that pivot you know, with those kind of um, behind walls um, and then going through. So I think the the way they're marrying up their, their play with the, your forwards really performing well with Tom Coventry obviously has a lot of work to do, and you're seeing that in the kind of um, collision area defensively and on the, the breakdown, clean out, the clean-outs and how ruthless they are. And that's probably a word that you haven't probably heard with the Blues, but they look really ruthless and they look clear in their plan of what they want to do. So um, those are kind of the things that I've seen, and you know, it's a tough place to get a un, under the circumstance of what's on the line for the Blues. 
And so getting that win, doesn't matter how they got it, um, you know, and then probably the score blew out a little bit, but to make it a little bit close, but I thought, you know, they were best, the best team on that park. And probably the biggest the biggest moment there was that sin bidding of the hooker. Uh, what's his name, Jip, the, the hooker of the Reds? Uh, Brendan Pyamosa. Yeah, that, so they, you know, they scored 14 points when he was in the Sinbin, so they were ruthless in that kind of scenario there. So they made them really pay with that yellow card due to, I think, your Fordship. You probably saw it as well, but I thought the Fords were outstanding on the weekend. I thought they, they set the benchmark of, of how they won that game against the Reds, set the tone really were, nicely. Were you surprised, though, straight after that first yellow card, they sacked the next line out and they got a penalty. And Mike Fraser mm. said, you've just been yellow carded. Um, you know, you're lucky you're not going to the bin again. I'm surprised that they didn't just get a you know, another yellow card. Do you yeah, reckon? well, yeah, I, I reckon that's yeah. what I thought. Was. I was like, oh, they're pretty, they're pretty lucky not to have two in the bin. Yeah. Here. Um, so whether he thought, you know, doesn't want to ruin the spectacle of the yeah. game, or just thought of a little bit lenient, and you know, um, for the Reds. But yeah, I, I look, I think if they got another yellow card, you know, then that could have really opened up the. The floodgates, but um, yeah, I was surprised with that yeah. as well. No, very, I just surprised. picked that up. But look, I, I agree with your points, and and the the one thing I took out of it is, um, you know, really key on on the players you put, and and I'll just let everyone know who Epper is. It's Jared Kelly Tuiolti, mm. um, and, and I'll use him as an example of of the points that you made. Uh, is his selfless decisions to create opportunities for others were, mm. was the biggest thing that I liked, and. Mark Talea's try is is a great example. His line that he runs, and we we've talked about it um, about the Crusaders in the past, is discipline to do his role to create space for someone else. And he runs off Patty. Patty gives that ball out the back uh, to Mark, but his line that he runs, a hard line, commits the uh, Queensland defender to rush in, which creates that space to open up for Mark as the pivot, as you call him, uh, to run through that space and score. Same thing happened uh, for Dalton's try when they're picking and going. Uh, Gerard cleans in that last ruck and he takes two Queensland defenders in and around that corner and cleans a high ruck. And then they have to, the, the other guys of the Reds have to come right around. They don't do it in time. And then Dalton obviously picks with a latch on. It's four legs into two. And it's just, yeah. you know, it's just too too easy, but it's it's what the work that's done before by the other, mm. you know, six forwards that, you know, have got together and have done their jobs selflessly to create the space yep. for Dalton to go over. And that was the story of the night for me. And as you yep. said, um, you know, Christie's game, you know, his box kick game is improving. His, I feel like now he's got his match fitness, his whole game he's stringing together is yep. is is really starting to gel the forwards, but also the backs, and it, it's just complementing, um, and, mm. and that ability to have that ball up mindset. I think you know you're seeing if he's not there, you're seeing the forwards play half back, or they're boosting through the middle of rucks. You know there just seems to be a good synergy building mm. now. There's that consistency and that selection at nine. Yeah, I think it is, mate, and I think it's just flown on his, you know, his effect from being at the, in the Tasman environment, and um, you know, a lot of their, a lot of their players is based around um, very similar to the Crusader style around um, box kicking and being able to build pressure through that. But then, again, with with and it's no as, as a halfback when your forwards are, are on the go forward and, and giving you really good set piece balls or just good face play ball, then the ability to be able to play off that is really 
it's really it's really easy to do and so you know we, with all with the blues being able to be so dominant and you know giving such a good platform for him um it's been able to have those little like you know you've seen in their face play shape you know even close into the 22 you know him getting out playing a little bit trying to entice the heart defense of the reds and then you've got runners outside him um and then go through but then it's the ability to understand that okay we're actually going to bring all the forwards all in get them all in together and then, you know you get um the go forward ball with pick and goes scoring points like that as well so his game management understanding has been has been pretty it's been really good and so uh, moving forward especially i mean if they do play into a final having a guy like that who understands the situations of game management when it comes into those games it's only going to benefit the blues uh moving forward so it's going to be a great challenge they've got the brumbies on the weekend so um it'll be great to see how they hit on the weekend with that and then at set piece time, there's been another growth. You know, we look at Sam Whitelock and, and Scott Barrett over a number of years, but Jero Kelly Teoti and Paddy um, Patrick Tuipulotu are getting some steals. Their, their five man Muradi system, uh, it led to a try. 41 minutes, um, uh, I think it was, where is it here? I think 41 minutes, there was a steal, and then another steal at 42 minutes. And the steal at 42 minutes leads to a try in their lineup D. So their mirror system is starting to mm. work. And, and and we haven't quite seen that in the past. We probably haven't seen the bodies get in the air. But the work they're doing during the week, the prep work they're doing, they're starting to see the reward from it. And again, probably consistency and selection um, is starting to getting to you know know the feel. But you know, back to those the the, the selfless acts. It's probably a lot to do with the lifter. You know. Mm. That you know, Patrick will get the big raps, and and Gerard will get the big raps for getting the steal. But it's actually the men on the ground that have to do a lot of the hard work to get those steals. And now that they're getting those steals, and they're leading to points, those are massive plays. Yep. The ability to do those are huge. So, a couple of growths on the other side of the ball, I think that the Blues can be really proud of going into what is a big mm. week. And you know, you've just played the Force, and you know they've just missed out against the Chiefs. They pushed the Highlanders really hard at home. Probably a bit of a slip-up against the Canes. They pushed you boys pretty hard, and, and if they'd taken some of their opportunities, could have been in a better spot. It's no, it's no given that the Blues can turn up at Eden Park and just get the job done against the Force. Yeah, I think it is. We've talked around the Force. Um, you know, they don't go away, and you know, even talking to the guys after, they've got they want to build something, want to build something there, and they want to base it around you know how hard they're working in that kind of underdog mentality. So um, they had to, they have had a few injuries. I was talking to Richard Kahui, and they are a little bit underdone injury wise with just how many injuries they've had, but. Yeah, look, I think the greatest thing for the Blues is they've come back. So they had that great win in, in Brisbane, and now it's really time to just really put the nail in the coffin, really, if you think about it. Um, they're going to be back at home, knowing that if they get a win, you know, they're in a final, they're probably in a final at home, you know, which will probably be massive, will be massive for them. So they've got a lot to play with, and I think, you know, I think they've had enough learnings throughout the, probably the last, in Leon's tenure, to understand how, how big this game is. You know, they're expected to win um, against a fourth team that hasn't won a lot, but like you said, they're a tough team that that don't go away. So if you don't get your, if you don't get your prep right, you don't get it right. You know then they they can have the ability to beat you. Like they put put us close on the weekend. So now, but all those things that you've talked around the growth that they've had, Jim. I think um, you know if they get that right, come in on the weekend, you know it sets them up to have a final at Eden Park, which they'll probably, which Leon and that team will probably be wanting desperately because it's going to be a great opportunity for for them for them moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think. Um, 
what they've done well is they've just focused week to week in this Trans-Tasman and just about, mm. you know, that almost finals mentality. Each game's just about nailing that and then on to the next. And I think if they can keep that standard of mindset and just nail off the force and then take care of, you know, the final and finals week, that'll keep them in good stead, whether it's at home or wherever. You know, they'll be able to, you know, finish off uh, what has been, mm. you know, a great campaign so far. Um, on the other end of the scale, after a pretty, you know, outstanding Super Rugby Aotearoa, the Chiefs have had a really hard draw, you know, with, with travel and, um, you know, going all over the place and then not getting uh, the home fixture last week, having to move it over to Sydney, uh, had a, what I'd say, a really hot start and then, you know, a fight back from the Rebels, but coming coming away with a, a convincing victory in the end. What took my um, notice on the on the weekend was Quintapire and Anton Leonard Brown together. I mean, man, we know Anton's outstanding, but Quintapire, uh, you know, just if I use Caleb Trask's second try, uh, he busts through the line off off the scrum. He link play. Um, you know, there's other aspects of his game where he's cleaning rucks, he bounces back up, he gets another touch, he, defensive reads. I don't know, I think this 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 kid has, has got a massive future at the next level. But also he seems to be getting a, a great relationship with with um, Anton um, where he just, you know, nothing against Alex Nankerville because I thought Nankerville was great in his absence mm. and, and, you know, warrants to still push for a start in the team but man there's something about him I don't know if you, if you felt that but every yeah. time he wears that 12 jersey for the Chiefs he, he's he's entertaining to watch yeah he is I was fortunate enough to spend a bit of time with him um, at the New Zealand Maldives um, last year and um, you know he had a lot of reps coming off him if you think around that Waikato season Waikato season before last year um, had a really good um, commodity cup or Bunnings Cup um, NPC and then came in probably last year at Super Rugby and was playing at centre, which he, he's usually a 12, talking to him when I was at the, in camp and having a better understanding when he was a 12. But at playing at that 13, probably um, it was a little bit more defensively that he struggled a little bit. But I think with him going into 12, which is real, um, which is a better feel for him and working with Anton, who's outside him, um, he's special. And I think before he got injured, you know, in the, even in the... Super Rugby Aotearoa, his form that he was having with Anton was massive and it was probably, the injury came at a, probably a bad time, you know, because he was playing some really good footy and um, he's abrasive, he's, he's great in, in contact defensively and uh, when he when he does make tackles, he's really um, physical and with the with the ball on hand, that's a massive attribute for him, you know, he's been through a lot of times um, in, in games due to running really nice lines or one-on-one, beating them with his footwork, so... He's got that all-round ability, and just through time, you know, he's going to get better with that game management and understanding what it takes to be a 12. But um, I think he's a kid to watch for the future, and I think you know, I'm glad you brought up Alex Nankerville because I think in his absence, he's actually played some really good footy, some career-best form footy, and so it just adds depth to that to that group. You know, you've got Anton, who's played a lot of, who's you know the incumbent All Black. You know, he's he's an All Black, and then you've got two guys that can play 12 and 13, but. I think, um, you know, Quinn on the weekend it just reminds you of how special this kid could be. We obviously are big fans of uh, Bryn Gatz and, and I thought he had a great game um, on the weekend, especially that stand and deliver pass he gave to Chase Tietia yeah. for his try. 
Um, but how do you think his mate inside him went? Uh, Xavier Rowe, there's obviously a lot of talk about him, uh, what he's shown through last year's Bunnings MPC, uh, you know, first mm. real big minutes game. Um, he had, what, 50-odd minutes before Brad Weber came on? Yep. No, I, th- I thought, you know, as a nine, you know, it's always nice to, to get on, especially if you're a young nine. And look, I thought Xavier was was great on the, was good on the weekend. Um, you know, it was nifty, was was around the ball, um, you know, good distribution game, you know, even looking for that try when when Anton Leonard Brown goes off the off the line out. You know, they give it Bunter, gives it to Xavier and um, he chucks a flat ball to I think it was Sal Cooler and gives a great tip ball to um to Anton to score that try. So hit some really nice touches and then, you know, obviously with Bryn um you know being back in the saddle, I I thought, you know, the last time he started in that final, you know, I thought he was probably one of the best on park. So um Get in that time against have another opportunity. Um, we've talked about him a lot around his distribution game. It's, it's a massive plus for them. And look, when you've got a ten that can distribute really, really well, it um, it gives you plenty of players great opportunities to be able to play with ball in front. And his kicking game is a second tenor. We've talked about that. So no, I think it's they they both played well together. And you know, obviously Brad's there. He's played a lot of minutes, and um, he'll probably come back into the fold um, next week. But you know, for Xavier, those kind of moments in there, those kind of times that you do have, especially at their level, it's going to only going to add to his game moving forward. So he'll get some opportunities probably, and that Bunnings might have team cup that he'll be able to perform um, a lot more and been able to have better understanding and how you evolve as a nine. And then obviously Bryn's coming back to North Harbour, which I'm pretty happy about. <laughs> Bet you are. Now, one area that you lo- love at North Harbour, um, and I used to love when I was there, um, is a scrum. And one thing that confused me um, on the weekend is the bizarre nature of how scrum dominance seemed to chop and change. You know, the Chiefs were dominant one scrum, and then somehow on their own ball, on their own line, they get pushed off it and the Rebels get a pushover try on opposition ball. I, I don't even, I don't, I can't even remember that ever happening. I, I can't either. I think you oh. see that a lot in your junior, you see that a lot in your junior rugby or, you know, but not at this level. Um, but yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, the difference, I think just the difference in scrummaging is a little bit different to our Kiwi teams. Um, and so there's different techniques, and you probably have a better eye around why that why that might have happened. But even for us, I look at like on the weekend, even though we have a dominant scrum, you know, just before half time, we went for a tap and go a couple of times just to be able to not take to take that kind of decision away from the ref because it's something different, and um, we're not probably getting um, the scrum penalties or the dominance that we want that we usually do get when we do play New Zealand teams because we all scrummage quite similar. So um, that's just an example for us. Um, we you know Cody taps that ball. Um, we do it actually twice. We don't score the first time due to I think um, I actually knocked the ball on sadly. Um, <laughs> but then we go back to it again. We go back to it again, um, and then we score off that. So it's able to have just different plans in place because the, I think the interpretation and the different scrummaging of different Australian teams has definitely been a lot different. I don't know if you've probably seen that, Jip, but for us, you know, we've had times where we've just tapped the ball because we, we want to take it out of the ref's hands. I think you only knocked it on because those clumsy forwards boots are everywhere, mate. <laughs> Um, But no, I I know what you mean. Sometimes it's different and then it becomes 50-50. You don't want to get into it. But I I was just surprised that, you know, the the Chiefs had that dominance and then at a time where you're hard on your line and it almost screamed of maybe a mindset of just expecting things to happen and and the Rebels Mm. came back at them. And I suppose the Rebels' ability to fight back was probably the most impressive and... 
Um, you know, Naisa Harari was, was huge and, and he sort of fell out of favour at international level, but his performance on the weekend, you know, his picks through the middle, he got a couple of tries. One was that pushover scrum, but the other was a big, strong, tough carry. Defensively, he was good. Um, you know, Matt Tamua was another big performer. Uh, Joe Powell, um, there, there, were, there were a few others. Um, I think, you know, I, I watched their body language after Anton Leonard Brown's second try, and they, they were just disjointed, almost looking around at each other for an answer. And I, I thought, wow, they're in trouble here. And then, then they were huddling underneath the sticks, and I thought, oh, well, that's better. But then they slowly walked back halfway, and I thought, oh, this is, this is going to blow out. But they, they kicked off, and... and um, Cotabetti chased well and forced an error. And from that scrum, they eventually got that pushover scrum and, and it managed mm. to turn the tide. Um, and, and they gave a, a reasonable account of themselves in the end. Mentioning a couple of those players, Dave Rennie was in the crowd and, and, he, and he came out publicly and mentioned a few guys um, that, that have played well, uh, a few positions, you know, hooker and second rower that are open and up for grabs, but he feels like the spine is is settled in terms of for the for the Wallabies in the French series. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on, I mean, one, the performers of that game, you know, uh, of the Rebels, and then any mm. other sort of key performers throughout the Trans-Tasman, even though it's been a bit one-sided, um, how you think, yep. you know, Dave Rennie's seen it from a Wallabies point of view? Yeah, I think the guys you have talked about at the Rebels, um, you know, they're probably the most experienced guys in that squad. And look, as a halfback, Joe Powell, um, he's played test footy and, you know, we will, I've done a bit of what we're playing him this week. So the best best attribute that he has is when they do have good go forward ball. You know, actually with all traditional, with most Australian nines, they do play a lot off nine. So they do have a lot of rovers and then picking and playing um, a lot. So, you know, when he does get, get that platform, um, that's when the, the Rebels are at their best and you know that comes back to winning collisions and giving him the opportunity to do that because when they have when they have given him that kind of ball, um, he's actually been really great around his running game and putting players into space and playing at high tempo for the Rebels team and that's when they've looked at their best. Um, you know, Matt Timur is a, a you know, he's a proven performer where he's played a lot of rugby and has a pretty good understanding around um, rugby and what and what's needed. So you know, he's probably in a, in a team where he's probably taken a lot on defensively and on attack. So I think it would actually be nice when he does go into that Australian level, into that club, into that game um, series. You know, he'll probably be around players that are going to be of similar kind of calibre to him. But, you know, one guy that's really um, has just continued to be great in this, he plays for the Reds, um, Harry Wilson. And Jeff, you've talked about him. We talked to him a lot in that kind of Australian rugby championship last year around how, how great he was. And he's, he's a young fella, but... You know, on the weekend, and these are these are pretty similar stats around what he's doing every single week. He had 73 metres of carries, six defenders, three clean breaks, three offloads, and 14 passes and 13 tackles. So he's doing some immense work, um, which is which is world class and right up there. And the different the things that I do like, you know, it's 14 passes and 13 tackles. So yeah. he's got a whole game that he's got based around him, running defensively. Um, and, you know, that attacking ability as well. So he's one guy that's really, really stood up for me. And we talked about um, him last last week with the with the Waratahs. Um, Isaiah, uh, what's his name, Jip? Um, 
Parisi, yeah, he's been a guy that's very, been very, very impressive. And I know they've um, had Paisami and Jordan Pattaya has been there. Um, but he's a guy that might slip in there just through um, his performances and his physicality, what he might, what he brings. So um, those are probably the two guys that um, I've seen outside the Rebels that um, I think have really stood up in, in this competition. But you might have a couple more that you've probably seen, um, seen as well, Jip. I'll jump on the back of Wilson because the biggest thing that I like about his game is that he's grown it. You know, last year we mm. would have seen, I'd say, oh, three passes, two passes, and a lot of it would have just been tough, hard carries. You know, his carry stats were, you know, most games were up around 15, 16. Yeah. And, and he's just really added those finesse touches, you know, giving tip balls or giving um, out the back passes or even, you know, long balls. And, and he, so it becomes a more, he's a more of a threat because you're almost, you've got to be wary of his ability to give the ball now, not just the carry. Mm. Um, and he went through you know, a nice tip ball on the weekend. Whether it was forward or not, it doesn't matter. He ran a great line, saw the separation between Dalton and Paddy and took it and, and scored a great try. So I like that he's had taste of international rugby and hasn't stayed you know, in, in one zone. He, he's really developed yeah. his game and taken it to another level and he'll be better for it uh, when, he, when he represents the Wallabies again. Paresi, the, the mm. same, like I, I've really you know, sat up and taken notice after his performance against you guys. Um, and, and what I liked about Dave Rennie's comments is, yeah, we knew he had talent, uh, but he hadn't actually played that much rugby. And now mm. he's starting to play really well. We wanted him to earn his spot in the Wallabies camp. We're not just going to give it. And I think that's a nice um, element to, to set the tone for the Wallabies from, from a head coach, is to say, we're not just going to invite all and sundry to these camps or teams or squads, you, you've got to earn to be here. Like, there's no doubt that he's going to be a Wallaby um, and belongs there, but he's had to earn his way there and there's no doubt that um, he'll be selected as an um, Isaiah Parisi. And, and there, there's, a, there's a number of other ones around there um, that, that are performing really well, but I, I think those two, as you said, are, are two that have, that have you know, stood out um, for me as well. It's, 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 it's going to be... I think that Dave Rennie will be able to put um, a really strong team together, um, mm. and 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 I think there has been some really strong individual performances. You know, I, I think another guy that is will be key to them, and I think was a big difference once he came on for the Brumbies was Nick White. You know, mm. he he um, you know I know Icky Tao scored that sort of individual try but it was his ability to in and around and run around that ruck that just sort of sucks defenders and makes you sort of stand up as a as a forward in, in particular and you sort of over chase him which just gives guys other guys opportunity um, Jake Gordon as well I know the Waratahs have been struggling but he's another guy that um, has had a has had a fairly good um, trans Tasman he was a bit injured through AU but two guys that um, a key at setting, you know, you know, standards in their environments are, are pretty key around that nine area. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think Jake Gordon, um, you know, obviously he's had a tough season with obviously performances wise around collectively as a team and not getting um, wins. But yeah, so yeah, when you've got depth around Nick White, um, Jake Gordon, and then you've also got Tate McDurbin as well, who has been in and around that environment as well, who, who adds something different. So they do have a lot of difference. Uh, makers in that in that position, and so um, you know probably three of those guys will be selected, and then 
um, you know, depending on how they want to play. Uh, but I think Nick White will probably get the the nudge on that. Uh, but they have got a lot of depth with Jake Gordon, who's a great running nine. And then you've got Tate McDermott as well, who kind of um, is a little bit smaller and a little bit more niftier and um, is kind of similar to that kind of Aaron Smith kind of kind of feel. So they do have a lot of depth in there, different types of players as well. So um, it's always great to have a bit of... Um, bit of difference in your positions when making um, team selections. One more guy as well. I think we've got to talk about the pack because that's where it all matters. Um, is is the, the young lock from the Rebels is Trevor Leota. I don't know if, if you've noticed him, Bryn, but he's a strong yep. carrier. He, he's a big defender. He's a big body. He's a young man, and he's had big wraps on him, but he's, he's put in some big shifts as well. He was really good on the weekend. I'm sure you'll probably get to know him personally this weekend. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, but I just think, you know, second row is an area that Dave Rennie said they're a bit light on. He's, uh, Dave Rennie's really like Caden Neville, but he's picked up an injury, so um, might not get the opportunity against France. But Trevor Leota is a young man, um, certainly on the rise, and, and will get a, a hopefully a good run at international level, but uh, is one to watch. And uh, I look forward to talking to you next week. Uh, to see if you've you've crossed paths this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll probably get a little bit more insight with him coming up <laughs> when we play him on the weekend. <laughs> uh, now, um, another international team was named on the weekend, or just named, I think it was on the weekend, or maybe late last week, uh, was the Springboks team to play the Lions. Um, your initial yep. thoughts on that one? Yeah, it's it's a it's a good squad. I think uh, it's an experienced squad, and I think the words that we use in the in the media around is they've gone with the tried and true. But you know they've got eight new caps, which is always good to see new caps and get an opportunity. But um, that's a pretty settled squad. Um, I think with the you know with obviously Morning Stain coming back as well adds a bit of experience, and so he'll add depth to Pollard and Yanchis. Um, so it's always good to have him back. But yeah, I think it's a pretty settled squad, Jip. I think they've got a lot of experience in their loose forward trio and their midfielders as well. They've got a lot of test caps in that kind of area, so it's a predominantly um, pretty strong around those areas. But um, yeah, I think it's a pretty settled squad, and so I think South African fans will be pretty happy around that. And so and we did talk about it, whether they were going to um, have an experienced squad, the guys that were proven that won the World Cup, and you know, they have shown a lot of loyalty to a lot of those guys. But you know, they have got a lot of um, they've got eight new caps as well who have been given um, an opportunity due to their form in the Premiership, and so yeah, I think it's pretty good. I think they've they've chosen a squad from all over the globe, I suppose, different parts of the team. But we had Ben Darwin on here speaking of um, you know having that cohesion. Um, factor and it was interesting to hear um, Erasmus talk about um, you know the World Cup cohesion and, and guys that have they know each other really well they know the style of play really well but also he particularly um, honed in on sail sharks and how there were a couple of players in there that he's brought in because of their time they've spent with Faf. De Klerk and and how they how they know how he plays and how they regularly play with him and they've got a good understanding with him and I I just thought that was interesting but on the back of our chat with Ben Darwin and, and having that cohesion and and familiarity um, with Faf and it just shows one he's clearly going to be a key part of um, mm. the South African game plan um, but two that 
it clearly is a big factor in their squad selection is that cohesion and, and um, squad connection in terms of being able to come together because they haven't played test rugby for yep. so long that he wants a group that knows each other, knows how to play and knows how to come together mm. quickly and that they can perform um, at, at a mm. high level off a short, off a short run up, so to speak. Yeah, well, I think that's the kind of direction they had to go in. I think, look, when you haven't played for 20-odd months, um, cohesion and familiarity is pretty key um, when you don't have that time together. So, you know, there's obviously a new cap, Sinele uh, Nohomba, who obviously plays at the Sale Sharks. So, uh, not the Sale Sharks, sorry, no, he's not, obviously doesn't play for Sale Sharks, but um, he's a new halfback as well that's been sicked in the squad. So, um, I think for familiarity and getting an understanding as much as you can, especially in short in a short time, um, it's really important. And so it's no different from the Lions. You know, they're in short preparations and they've got four different um, countries that have to come together. But I think the more familiarity that you can have and understanding around how you do play and certain players do play, um, it's probably the best way for you to perform um, at the next level. They do have a test series against um, Georgia and then they're right into it. So um, people that understand how they do play and um, familiarity um, is probably the most important thing moving forward when you've got such a short short window to prepare as well. I think also like a couple of key selections picking it out of the squad is, is Mono Stain and, and France Stain in terms of experience and you know a little bit older these guys but as we know players like that almost become extra coaches in the environment and, and so yep. vital to have around in terms of helping out you know, coaches, but also the group throughout the week, but also the big moments and test matches. Mm. You know, Lions test series are normally tight. And having the ability of these guys to come on that can, you know, kick long-range penalties, um, maybe potentially coming off the bench, and, and understanding pressure moments and having a cool, calm head. And, you know, they're both confident guys with the boot, mm. but also confident guys in their game. They know how they play. They've got a certain style. Everyone around them knows how they play and they've done it for so long. So everyone's confident around them because they're just like, yeah, they've got it. And I think that those are quite key selections to provide confidence throughout the squad as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it is absolutely. And it's warranted on form as well. But I think, yeah, anytime you can get a guy that's that, that experience, you know, Stain, Francois Stain and obviously Mornay Stain, um, it only gives you confidence within your group. So you've got, obviously got Yanchez and Pollard who have been there the, probably the last three, four years. Uh, but anytime you can bring a guy that's experienced big moments and give them, you know, it might just be a conversation throughout the week that, um, you know, Pollard or Yanchez might want to need to hear or someone in the back line or whoever it may be. And having a caliber of player that has a pretty good understanding around big moments and big games and what it takes, um, I think you can't buy those kind of, those kind of traits, and you know, I look at our team. You know, a, a guy that did massive for us who didn't play a lot, Tim Bateman. The confidence that he gave our group um, throughout the week, because due to his preparation and just his communication around certain things and talking around a game and stuff that he sees, um, it was it was so beneficial for us when he was there. So, having those kind of guys around, I mean, they're, they're probably going to possibly play as well. Uh, but you know, you can't buy experience, and you can't buy guys that have had massive moments and been been able to. Um, give it to those young players coming through, especially like a Lions series where there's so much pressure and the, the margin of error usually in Lions series is so small. And if you've got guys like that who have a good understanding can help you through that, um, they're, they're worth their weight in gold. Yeah, well, 
I think also, you know, I hate to say it and, and touch what it doesn't happen, but, you know, you look at the World Cup for, for the All Blacks and, and when we dropped a lot of 10s, you know, it's also the injury factor, having guys of that experience throughout. And there's, mm. it's not just in that 10s area. It's in the loose forwards. It's in the locks. It's, you know, everywhere they've, they've, they've got some really sound experience. And as you said, there's a bit of new caps, you know, a bit of excitement and energy because you need that as well. You need that, yep. you know, fresh excitement and energy every week in the training field just to, you know, get the old dogs up as well that, that um, you know, keep them on notice. So I think it's a good balance. There's certainly enough players, 46 of them. That's, that's a big squad. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, that's necessary as well so that they can have a good hit out during the week. Um, so all in all, pretty exciting. Um, but yep. um, I, think, I think we've covered it all there, Brunner. So... Uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap up. So that's us for uh, this week. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, here at the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. And uh, thank you, Bryn Hall down south. And thank you guys at home. Cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 